Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. What's up, losers, and welcome to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom. My name is Andrew Bascom, and welcome to the podcast, where for 143 episodes, we've helped you lose money in about 30-ish minutes. On this episode, we'll be discussing our favorite ways to lose money on the NFL Week 7, and I sneak in a few sneaky little picks for UFC 280. What a card. Oh my goodness. And of course, a recap and a record check at the end of the show. It finally happened. It finally happened, everybody. We slowed down. We went 3-5 and five combined for a record. That's a little sneak, sneak peek for the record check there. And the gambler losing all of his many teasers as well. It's going to happen. And this is why you don't bet too much when you're too high. And you try and win it all back when you're too low. Excited to have it all back this weekend, though. With an absolute banger UFC card and a slightly weaker NFL card. This might be the one to go visit the family. Go, go apple picking. Do something like that. Because this is not great. Because most of the really good teams in the NFL, the Eagles, the Bills, even the Rams, who are like, you know, more Showtime kind of stuff, are all on buy. These buys are really a pain in the ass. I, football, I love you. Don't worry, you're not going anywhere, but uh, a little, it hurts my feelings just a little bit sometimes. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the Pants Roddy Prince and his picks for bet number one. Bet number one. Okay, the Pants Roddy Prince still traveling the world with all his winnings that he's been making early in the season, but he has sent over his picks. So let's get to them. His safe pick is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders minus seven versus Houston. Interesting. Interesting. I thought that number was a little high, all things considered, how Vegas has looked this year. But hey, Panzeri Prince thinks that's a safe pick. His spicy pick is going to be the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half versus Baltimore. That is spicy. Cleveland has not looked good. Jacoby Brissett is, there's a reason he's a backup. I think that's pretty clear. And their defense cannot stop anybody. It's very similar to Green Bay in a lot of ways, where that defense was supposed to be the anchor of the team. And they... They can't cover a single person. They're not good. But on the other side, you have Baltimore, who's been choking games left and right. And I think the bet that I'd be giving up for that game, it's not an official bet, this is just like just a couple friends talking right now, is the Baltimore Ravens in the first half. That has to be the automatic bet. I wouldn't be taking the Baltimore Ravens in a full game bet going forward at all because they seem to choke all the time in the second half. So Baltimore Ravens for the first half for me, but the spicy pick for the Panzeri Prince is the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half. Here are my picks. For my safe pick of the week, I'm going to be taking the Seattle Seahawks plus six and a half at the Los Angeles Chargers. On one side, we've got an outstanding offense with an elite quarterback, terrific receivers, a huge downfield passing game, and an improving defense, and they're playing against Justin Herbert and the home LA Chargers. Hey-oh! Yeah, did a little mixed, uh, mixed it up there for you. The Chargers suck. Let's just be real. The Chargers suck. I am so goddamn tired of Los Angeles Chargers, and for years telling me, like, you know, they're actually pretty good. Really? Based on what? Based, uh, based on what? They're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be a fun, explosive offense, but they've been neither. The offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, should absolutely be fired tomorrow. He continues to stifle his attack on early downs with poor play calling. And Seattle's defense is actually top 10 in first downs. So that could be even a bigger problem here. And the Chargers coming off a short week after an overtime game against a division rival. So this is a bad spot for them. LA ranks 29th on first down DVOA. And it's a rough matchup for an opponent that's been great doing the very thing the Chargers don't. Which is move the ball well on early downs and sets itself up to succeed. Seattle has been the league's best road offense so far. Geno Smith is balling. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are lighting it up deep. And rookie Kenneth Walker is running so angry behind like a really rapidly improving line. And even this much maligned defense, who for a while there was awful, now ranks 11th in DVOA over the past three weeks. And Pete Carroll himself has covered 61% of the time as an underdog. And Geno Smith has covered himself 62% of the time, which is crazy. Let's come down to Seattle Island, everybody. Come on, everybody. It's getting popular here. It's balmy. It's breezy. And there's still room for plenty more space. 
Seattle Island is starting to get a little buzz now. And there's room for a little more. Give me the Seahawks cover and give me that money line too. I'm taking Seattle plus six and a half and a little sprinkle on the Seattle Seahawks money line plus 240. For my spicy pick of the week, I'm going to be taking the Atlanta Falcons also plus six and a half, also on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. So everyone knows this at this point, right? The Atlanta Falcons are 6-0 against the spread and tied for the division lead with the Buccaneers, who saw that coming, Jesus, but are the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL. They just don't get no respect. By, by the way, visualize that. I was pulling on my tie while saying that. Even after an impressive win with the number one DVOA defense and the San Francisco 49ers, who had some injuries, who had some injuries, I granted, granted, but still, they beat them, and that's impressive. Atlanta has a few weapons to speak of and continues to roll offensively thanks to Arthur Smith's number one DVOA rushing attack. And that's the big part. They just have this lethal play action that just opens things up because they rush the ball so well. But the, the Bengals continue to make things harder on themselves, committing too heavily on a bad run game and digging themselves early down holes. Cincinnati's defense has kept the Bengals afloat. It's really, really good. But if Atlanta can move the ball against San Francisco... They can definitely score in the Bengals too, especially with uh, Cincinnati's missing run stopper DJ Reader, who's sidelined right now. This line is still pricing the Bengals, just like they played in the Super Bowl. But the offense has not been anywhere near as good enough, and the Falcons can't stay perfect against the spread forever. I get that. But undefeated against the spread, against the spread teams that are underdogs in week six or later are now seven and four against the spread all time. Whoa. They've also been winning four of the last six outright. That includes Atlanta's win last Sunday. But if the Bengals aren't careful, they might be next. The Atlanta Falcons, plus six and a half, and I'm doing the same thing. A little sprinkle on the money line as well, plus 225. So those are our safe and spicy picks of the week. Let's go on to bet number two with Charlie Chalk. Bet number two. Now it's time to welcome on the one, the only, the lock of the week himself, Charlie Chalk. Charlie, how you doing? Andrew, I'm doing just fine. I have a bit of a oh, grin gosh. on my face, but I, so far mm-hmm. so good with my locks, not maybe my overall. Yeah. Yeah, you're still very much up on the season, too, I will Uh, say. But the locks of the week, you know, unlike some other people's uh, name brand picks, have been doing very, very well. So I'm very excited to see where we're going to be going this week. And no, you know, let's not waste any more time. Where are we going to go with the lock of the week? Andrew, you might find this surprising, but I am going to take a dog as a lock. A dog. Oh, my goodness. We are taking the New York Giants. Oh, no. What? Plus three in Jacksonville. Oh, I, wow. I I just um, this this is a money line bet straight up. Let's do it. Um, oh wow! Giants won three in a row. Jacksonville's mm-hmm. lost three in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's a coach, coaching issue. Both are well coached teams, so yeah. I can't pick on that at all. But um, basically, New York Giants are sneaky good. They've got a good yeah, offense. Yeah, They're yeah, right up there with Casey and Buffalo. They yep. converted. 50% of their third downs in the last three weeks. Mm. Jones has beat two former MVPs the last few weeks. Um, again, go back to quarterbacking. Lawrence hasn't played well the last three weeks. So, and with Martindale as their co- defensive yeah. coordinator, yeah. I think this is going to be a big issue for Lawrence. I'm, I'm glad we're, t- I'm glad we're talking about this game because it's, it is one of the more mystifying numbers we you've seen out there. The giants are second in their division at five and one surprising number, but a great record, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars been up and down this whole season. And then all of a sudden Jacksonville's favored by three. Yes. And I think that snapped a lot of people to attention going wait, is this one of these tricky lines? And you're just plowing through that and not, not worrying about it. And you're just going to take what you think is the better. And team. you know what? I'm paying a premium for that because every New yes. York, team gets the premium bet anyways and if the giants are even near you know what happens then they're going to the super bowl so but the giants (laughs) are a good team well coached um 
Jones is really a good quarter. And I shouldn't say really good quarterback. He's a mm, good, mm, efficient mm. quarterback, can run the ball okay. when he has to, has thrown the ball well. And uh, you know what? Barkley's done very well for them. So yeah, he, he is their uh, he's their go-to guy, run pass, mm-hmm. whatever, and he's putting up some yeah. great numbers. So yeah. I think um, five and one record, they could go to nine and one, which is even scarier with a week schedule ahead of them. And I yep. hope they're not looking forward too far ahead. But um, if I'm not mistaken, they do have next week off. So um, there we go. Yeah, so let's uh, go New York Giants. It's a lock. So Charlie's lock of the week is going to be the New York Giants plus three versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, okay, just speaking of Jacksonville, I'm going to stick in the AFC South as well with the Colts at Tennessee Titans, and I'm going to be taking the Titans minus two and a half. Ooh, these teams just played earlier this month, and the Titans absolutely kicked the crap out of the Colts. What has changed? They scored on their first four drives, went up 24 to three, and held the Colts to just 38 rushing yards on 23 carries. That's not very good. That was Tennessee's fifth win in the last six in this division rivalry. And that early script looks very familiar for these teams. The Colts have fallen behind early all season. Indy ranks last in offensive DVOA in the first half and 29th in defense. That's also pretty close to last. The Titans, on the other hand, lead the league in offensive DVOA in the first half. That is a bad mismatch, and that's exactly how it played out two weeks ago. And even better, Tennessee is coming off a bye. Vrabel and his guys are ready to go on a week off. Vrabel is 4-0 straight up and against the spread after a bye, covering by a whopping, how about this, 19 points per game. He's covered those four games by 19 points per game. The Titans are rested, ready to go. The Colts are not. They're hurt all over the place. Jonathan Taylor's hurt. Shaq Leonard's hurt. Quiddy Pay's hurt. And it just could be just completely shorthanded again. The Titans might actually be a good team. And outside of the blowout to Buffalo... You know, Tennessee ranks 7th in DVOA. So, I like the Titans to win. I like the Titans to cover. And I love, love, love them in the first half. Indy is 0-6 against the spread in the first half this season, failing to cover by 8.3 points per game, while the Titans are 4-1 against the spread in the first half, covering those exact same by the exact same number, 8.3. So, that will do. I'm going to take Tennessee first half by half a point. It's only uh, favored by half a point. And I'm going to take the game as well, Tennessee Titans minus 2.5. Well, the gambler would be very impressed with all your numbers, but I'm going to tell you, oh, you what. like that Indiana, yeah. Indianapolis, sorry, yeah, is Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Ryan has just found out how to throw the ball again, and uh, <laughs> he's now getting used to the offense. This is the guy he was through for almost 400 yards last week. Mm-hmm. I think with mm-hmm. Taylor coming back, um, it's going to be a tight game. I would take three and a half any time, but it will be tight. Maybe your half okay. halftime bet is looking good. I honestly, the numbers make way too much sense. The Colts are awful in the first half and the Titans are great in the first half. Well, okay, let's just do that. Let's take the half point in the first half. So, okay, that's your lock of the week with the Giants plus three. Is there any other games you're going to be looking at? Well, I'm going to stick with New York. Oh. And I'm going to the Jets. J-E-T-S. And I am taking plus one against, Mm -hmm. well, we don't know what they are. But again, we beat them up last week. Denver, Denver, Denver. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Oh, Um, Denver. (laughs) They have no offense. They Thank goodness they have a defense. But I think the Jets Mm -hmm. just are plodding along. It's going to be a crappy game, and it'll be an under bet. But um, I think the Jets, the Jets can hang in there. They're, you know, they, they're now listening to the coach, and uh, Denver mm-hmm. doesn't listen to the coach, doesn't listen no. to the quarterback. Uh, they don't know who We don't even know who's quarterbacking. Back Gordon as their rusher, <laughs> yeah. who they benched yeah. last week. So even the coach doesn't even know who to put in. So I think that's just sort of a, yeah, a boring 4 o'clock game, but um, I do like yeah. the Jets. Well, no, I, I like the Jets too. Denver sucks. This is yes. this is great. I, that, I'm glad you brought up the Melvin Gordon thing because everyone talked about the Robbie Anderson thing where the coach yeah. you know, told him to go to the locker room. And that was like, oh, wow, because you could see it. But Melvin Gordon, if you watch the game, he is baffled on the sideline because no one had talked to him. And so he's sitting there kind of like, what? No, don't don't come in. OK, all right. Don't come and in. this is how good. the Yes, this is how good their coaching is. He says, 
He says, this week, we got to play him more. You benched him last week. How's he going to play more if you bench him? He's not. What's changed? The, uh, the coach hasn't. He's still well, that incompetent guy who should Probably not should. be a coach like a few other coaches out there. Will be gone this year. Holy jeez. Oh, God. Yes, well, that was just, at least, like, put your hand around him and go, like, hey, buddy, it's not your game. We're just going to try Mike Boone tonight. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that's what it is. We'll talk afterwards. Instead, he just got to sit there like a fucking idiot. All right. So where, where well, are you let going me just, with any other Let games? me do a little Charlie Chalk just to make this think that people don't think I take the dog all the time. And mm. I think I will jump on Tampa Bay, finally, minus 10 there and a half. Um, Carolina has no Charlie QB. They've got yeah. nothing. And um, I, I think that Tom Brady... Um, you don't have to teach the old goat anything, but um, ten and a half should be enough. He knows better. They will play, yeah. and uh, yeah. they should cover no problem. This just feels like one of those ones. Tampa Anyways, Bay yeah. is going to right the ship eventually, and it just depends on when you're going to get in on. It. And do you, would you rather be early or late? And you know they're going to get there, right. so you'd rather be early. So I, t- I totally understand that bet. Well, he's getting more guys back too, and receivers, he really and yes. I think that'll help him. He throws seventy three percent of the time. 74, yeah, it's, whatever. It's like it's an incredible amount. So, and he, and he can throw the ball very well. So eight touchdowns this year. Uh, he had 43 last year. They're, they got to get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Pl- plus he's got strong divorced man, middle age energy right now. So watch out. He's going to burn Andrew, the world down. Andrew, divorces. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. So, okay. Those are my picks. Charlie, thank you so much for your picks. We hope you have fun losing money this weekend. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great week. Number three. And last up, we have the gambler. Classic gambler tease. Here we go. We have a two-leg six-point tease for minus 130. He has Seattle plus 11. He has the Jacksonville Jaguars, New York Giants under 48. And we have a three-leg, of course. Of course he does. He has to add that third leg. Classic gambler hubris. He's adding a third leg for plus 240. He's adding Houston plus 13. Oh, that's pretty good. I like those. I like those. Okay, those are the gambler's teases of the week. Here's mine. I have a two-game five-point teaser for a minus 120. I am bringing it right down to the roots here. I am none of this four or five-game nonsense. I am bringing it right back to basics here. I'm going to take the New England Patriots minus three. So on one hand, the Patriots are absolutely overvalued right now. They're two, After a 29-0 and 38-15 to 15 wins over the Lions and the Browns, there were nowhere near as big of blowouts as the scorelines indicated. It will be absolutely be time to fade the New England squad soon. On the other hand, though, that time is definitely not now because it's Justin Fields and the really ugly Bears offense are coming to town. You simply cannot play a one-dimensional offense and get away with it against Bill Belichick. He's just too good at taking away the things that you're good at and forcing teams to play the way he wants to play. They suck the life out of helpless opponents. They've been doing that for a few decades now. The Bears only want to run, so Belichick won't let them do that. And since Chicago can't pass block to save their life, that's all she wrote. I'm going to take it moving the, moving the line down five points, and we're going to get the Patriots at minus three. The second one is we're going to take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three. I know Charlie is going the other way, but that's too bad. New York continues to rank as the NFL's luckiest team is now five and one in one score games. And we know about one score games. They're usually brought back to the mean. New York's offense has been remarkably solid considering the personnel, but the Giants allow the third highest pressure rate. And that's a Jacksonville strength. The Giants defense ranks dead last in first downs, but is also getting bailed out on third downs. The Jags D is the opposite third on early downs and dead last on late downs. That should put Jacksonville's offense in a position to succeed all game while doing the opposite for Daniel Jones. Plus, on top of that, New York's defense ranks 30th in DVOA. I like Jacksonville here as a get-right spot. We're taking the Jags plus three. That is our two-game five-point teaser with the Patriots minus three and the Jags plus three. Now, the only other thing I wanted to talk about here was we have an amazing UFC 280. So I'm going to kind of 
team it, team it in here to, to pick number three and make three picks with three really good fights on this card, this card. Okay, I will also say, this fight is happening in Abu Dhabi. So please do check when this fight is happening in your time zone. Because I know in our Eastern Standard time zone here, it's happening in the morning pretty much. So you just just heads up. Because this is a good card to maybe have a Bloody Caesar and uh, or Bloody Mary and a black coffee. And watch some people punch each other in the head. So the first fight we're going to be talking about is Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Right now, Yan is minus 275 to Sean O'Malley's plus 215. This is like you wanted to learn how to ski. And you took your time, and you watched all the videos, you bought nice equipment, and you took lessons, and took it step by step, so you'd bring this passion along slowly, so you'd actually enjoy it. Then one day, you just wake up, and you try and go down the hardest, steepest, double black diamond mountain you ever find. What is the UFC thinking with this? Everyone loves Sugar Sean O'Malley. This could be the next guy with so much personality, and blah, 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 blah. People love this guy, and they've been careful trying to feed him along slowly, with like, you know, a little bit of tuna cans here and there. And now they go right to Peter Yan, who up until a year ago was the dominant champion in this division. Sugar Sean, he's got his colorful hair, his exotic spinning striking style, which has led to like incredible, a few like eye-popping knockouts. If there's a criticism to be made about O'Malley though, it is that his propensity for the razzle-dazzle, you know, outweighs his actual technical prowess or fight IQ. And for all that O'Malley does right, and, and there is a lot, Yan is just a more polished fighter. He's stronger, he's more experienced, and he holds the upper hand in the clinch and on the ground. And I expect O'Malley to hold his own, sure, absolutely. He has the talent to do so. But it's far more likely that Jan will outwill him when the going gets tough. I think this is just, I think there's a, there's a huge amount of distance here too. Jan is, you know, kind of shorter arms for the vision. He's quite small and O'Malley is quite large. But I really do like Jan in this, you know, this position. And, you know, the odds and Vegas, you know, side with me as well. I'm going to be taking the Peter Jan by the decision at plus 110. We're getting that number via five dimes. I just, the decision is the way to go. That's how I see being making money on this because I wouldn't take the minus 275 and I really don't feel strong enough to put it in a parlay. So the decision at plus 110, that's the best number we could find via five dimes. The next fight for a title is Aljamain Sterling, Peter Jan's nemesis versus TJ Dillashaw, famous steroid user. Aljamain Sterling is a minus 165 versus TJ Dillashaw plus 158. You know, I only bring up the Dillashaw thing because he posts pictures of him being like absolutely shredded, like right as weight cut time. And he's all vascular and everything like that. And you're just thinking, you know what you're doing posting that photo. <laughs> you can't post that photo looking absolutely shredded after like 18 months ago after getting popped for steroids. And no one's going to be like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, I'm sure you did the natural way there, buddy. Keep drinking, you know, keep taking, doing your prayers and taking your vitamins. As always, Sterling's wrestling will decide this fight. Sterling leads all active bantamweights in control time and while ranking fourth in top position time. He had relatively easy against Peter Jan in that second fight, whom he just like smothered for eight minutes of control time at UFC 273. And Dillashaw won't go quietly fighting off his back the way Jan did. TJ rarely ever accepts a vulnerable wrestling position. He's quite a good wrestler, which is evident with an outrageous 0.54 bottom percentage time. That's like the second best mark among active bantamweights. Who Dillashaw thinks he's the best of all time. Yeah, whatever. I'm not getting into this. DJ Dillashaw sucks. I, as a person, as a person, I just don't think he's a, I, I don't think I'd be friends with the guy. Dillashaw is more accurate than Sterling at shooting for takedowns, 30% versus 21%. And while defending takedowns at a dramatically better clip, 86% to 41%, which is shocking. Though it's not worth noting that Sterling, a submission artist, is okay to let fighters take him to the ground because he kind of wants that sometimes. He's like suckering them in. Regardless of who wins, this belt will be decided on the ground. Let's just be real about that, which tends to believe it will go the distance as well. The last time Dillashaw met a talented wrestler, it was in 2019, it was against Henry Cejudo, and things didn't go so well. A minus 210 favorite at the time, he chose to stand in front of Cejudo and challenge his striking, and Cejudo wound up clipping Dillashaw with a sharp right hand and securing a TKO after 32 seconds. 
that, stra- that strategy like failed miserably, obviously, for the Champ. But after two years off and coming off a, a battle with a, a proficient striker in Corey Sanhagen, TJ is stronger than Sterling on the feet. I don't see the striking being that much of a difference. I'd see him holding his own on the feet. That's more of the point. I see this still as being just a complete ground game whatsoever, and I think that's going to lead to a decision. I'm going to take TJ Dillashaw. I know. I hate myself for it. Via decision at plus 325. Big number. I really like that bet. So I'm definitely going to lose. That's just pretty much what I'm saying. And in the main event, we have Chucky Olives. We have Charles Oliveira, the champion, versus Islam Machayev. Uh, right now, Machayev is the is the challenger and is the favorite at minus 163. Chucky Olives is at plus 167 right now. That's been Charles Oliveira's uh, modus operandi. He's, he is a dominant fighter who sometimes wavers, and so therefore, he has been underdog so many times for such a talented fighter. This line has seen plenty of movement, swinging from Islam's favor back to Oliveira as, as fight fans hammer the underdog, and for now, the Russian's sitting back at minus 163. Islam, like his mentor, Khabib, is essentially the UFC's most vicious top mount fighter. He's methodical, he's heavy, and he'll have no problem smothering Oliveira as he works to pass guard and lock down that Darce Choke or Kamara or anything else that Joe Rogan will yell out. Oliveira has fought for the UFC for ages, but he does have three submission losses, two rear, two rear naked chokes, and a leg bar. And Machev will shoot for the takedown easily, and so watch if Oliveira tries to eject him with a heavier Russian off him with a roll or a grappling off his back. Islam has just one UFC loss, all the way back in 2015, against an opponent named Adriano Martins. Does anyone remember that guy? Not really. Okay, it doesn't matter. That fight ended terribly for Islam, obviously, who exchanged some mild strikes with the Brazilian before Martins exploded with a counter left and knocked Machev out. And there's an avenue for Charles to beat Islam, especially the Brazilian utilizes his four-inch four inch reach advantage and throws quick, explosive shots. The longer the fight stays on the feet, the better Chucky Olive's chances are. He'll push forward with overhand punches, his underrated left hook, and knees and elbows. But how will Oliveira fight from the bottom? This is really how you see the fight going. It's highly unlikely he submits Machev, so he'll have to pivot to defensive jiu-jitsu. And Charles will need to keep his his guard up close, uh, you know, so that Machev doesn't step right over him, right? Oliveira is famously has supreme jiu-jitsu. He's one of the most talented fighters that the, the sport has ever seen. But it'll be interesting to see how much respect Islam gives him. If Islam is unafraid to dive right at the Brazilian, watch for Oliveira to get creative as he lets the fight fall to the mat. Patience will be the key at this point, which is why we think this fight gets decided over two and a half rounds. That's a bet we are going to be making because I think there's going to be a huge amount of feeling out process. That's where we think it's going to go. Over two and a half rounds is going to be definitely one of the bets we're going to be making. Plus 108, we're seeing that via North Star. But I, I just can't, I can't get around this. I love Charles Oliveira. I think he's just great for the sport. But Islam feels undeniable at this point. And I think we're going to see a Machea via submission at plus 225 after he's grounded and pounded him for a while. So we got that number via sports bet. So over two and a half rounds and Islam via submission at plus 225. Those are our picks for UFC 280. I cannot wait to lose more money on the UFC. I am so excited it's back. And that's bet number three. Let's get to a recap. Recap. Okay, here's the recap of the way too many picks we made on this episode. I'm going to be taking Peter Jan via decision at plus 110. I'm going to be taking Dillashaw by decision as well at plus 325. And I'll take Islam Machev by submission at plus 225. And the over two and a half rounds in the fight at plus 108. I'm also taking the Tennessee Titans uh, minus 0.5 points for the first half and minus two and a half for the game. I'm also going to be taking the Seattle Seahawks by six and a half points, plus six and a half points, and a little sprinkle on the money line at plus 240. Doing the exact same thing with the Atlanta Falcons, taking them plus 6.5 points as well, and a little sprinkle on the money line at plus 225. The Pans Ready Prince, 
is going to be taking his safe bet of the week with the Las Vegas Raiders minus seven and his spicy pick of the week with the Cleveland Browns plus six and a half. Charlie Chalk likes the New York Jets plus three as his lock of the week. He also likes the Jets plus one, New York State of Mind, baby, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus ten and a half. The Gambler has a two-leg six-point tease minus 130, Seattle plus 11, and Jacksonville and the Giants under 48. He also is adding a third leg at plus 240 to add Houston plus 13. Got it? Good. All right, I told you in the beginning, we did not have a good week. We finally stumbled just a little bit. And let me tell you how we did it. I went one and three. That's not good. That's not good at all. I had the Seahawks plus three, and that was the winner. I lost on the Ravens. Boy, I lost on the Panthers. Oh, that sucks. And I lost my tease of the week. Too long. Who cares? Nobody. I I lost it. You just got to trust me on this one. The Panzeri Prince, he went one and one. He had Indy plus two, who somehow miraculously beat the Jaguars. Who saw that coming? And he had KC plus three, which was a loser to Buffalo. Charlie Chalk, he had the LA Rams minus 10 to counter bet my Panthers bet. So good for him. I'm glad someone won on that. But he lost with Tampa Bay minus eight, who straight up just lost to Pittsburgh, which sucks. And San Francisco minus five and a half, who straight up just lost to Atlanta. Wow. Big upset week. The gambler, he lost all his teases of the week. I'm not even going to get into all of them. Just trust me. He lost on the first one. So the next five don't count. Now over to at losing money WAB. That's our free daily picks on Twitter, on Instagram. We went three and three for a total of bupkis. Not negative, not positive, zero. You know, we finally lost on a Thursday Night Football. I think we are 5-2 and two now for the year on Thursday Night Football, which is incredible. That's awesome. And we keep winning on Monday Night Football. That's great. College football was very good to us, and we lost our lone NBA bet this year on our opening night. So what are you going to do? We'll, we'll be back many more times with that, and we still have some outstanding golf bets right now as well. So please go over to at Losing Money WIB on Twitter, on Instagram, where you can find our daily picks that we make daily, or go to the BetStamp app to find out our daily picks there as well. That being said, I cannot wait to lose money on UFC 280 and the NFL. Subscribe to Losing Money with Andrew Bascom wherever you enjoy podcasts. And please give a subscribe and a like to at Losing Money WAB on either Twitter or Instagram, wherever you decide to waste your time. Also, download the BetStamp app and use the code AndrewB to tell them Losing Money with Andrew Bascom sent you, and you can help support the podcast. We'll be back next Friday to talk about what else? The NFL. Have fun losing money. We'll see you later, losers. He's the one that will help you bet. Then for the game, you'll be all set. Even though he may help you choose, remember you still may lose. Furnished by Sad Styles Productions. Get into it!